It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. From our Dixieline Lumber and Home Center store studios in San Diego, this is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. We welcome you to our Thursday podcast, along with my co-host, the venerable John Riley. <laughs> we welcome you as we get ready to kick off a great sports weekend. John, we've got a phenomenal, phenomenal number of topics on the table. And don't put your hand next to the burner on the stove. You might get burned. Man, there's a a lot of hot stuff that we're going to kick around. How you doing? Doing great, but you know, especially here in San Diego. I mean, with the Padres situation, it's bananas. And World Series, NFL, <clears throat> we're loaded today. Uh, before we start, as we do at the front end of each of our podcasts on Thursday and, of course, the Monday bonus podcast, we remind you, when we're done putting topics on the table, you are invited to join us. John, for everybody that's new on the live stream, explain to them what Fans Forum is. Fans Forum is like your chance to call 690 or 1090, get on the phone with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, except in the digital age, we're doing it with chat. So if you've got a question or a comment, type it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And we remind you, we urge you, no, we demand you join (laughs) us. We ask you to share everything you know with all your friends. Tell them about what we're doing on our podcast and subscribe, because when you subscribe, you You thereby will get all the different alerts for everything that we add to the YouTube channel on a day-by-day basis. And be prepared to check my website because we got some new stuff that's coming. It'll be posted on my website and how you can be part of our team. John, we got a lot of baseball to talk about. We're going to go a lot of different directions. Yeah, a ton of baseball here. I mean, let's cue up the Padres because there's a ton of talk here in San Diego right now. The search has begun for a new manager for the San Diego Padres. The end result of the decision to let the manager, Bob Melvin, go to the San Francisco Giants. They let go a manager with a record of 171 and 153 in the dugout in San Diego. They retained a general manager who's 94 games under 500 over his nine years as general manager of the Padres. They've started the interview process. They spent a part of Thursday with Mike Schilt, former Cardinals manager. Friday, they're interviewing Ryan Flaherty. They have asked for permission to talk to Skip Schumacher of the Miami Marlins. First year manager there got them to the playoffs. You would ask why Schumacher might want out because the owner, Bruce Sherman, continues to do stupid things despite the building that they had in the success with the ex-Dodger general manager, Kim Ng. She's gone. And they just decided to fire the director of scouting. And, of course, prior to that, they got rid of the CEO, Derek Cheater. So it's a very unstable situation in Miami. Schumacher might want to interview in San Diego. He was highly regarded here. Maybe he moves to the front of the line because he's got bench experience that one year after having been a coach for an extended period of time. Uh, Don Mattingly's name continues to be out there. He, of course, was with the Toronto Blue Jays last year. Former Dodger, Dodger Marlins manager does want to manage again. I just don't know if he's flamboyant enough and tough enough to be the Padres manager. Interesting name has just surfaced in the last 24 hours. He's worked inside the front office with the Padres. Mark Loretta might be a candidate, but he's got zero experience as a manager. (laughs) And one of the unique names out there is Clay McCullough, longtime first base coach for the Dodgers under Dave Roberts. He's getting a lot of play, a lot of different places in Major League Baseball. His name is out there. One name I've not heard much of of late is Ron Washington, ex-Texas Ranger manager, had success in Oakland. He's been in Atlanta as a right-hand guy as a bench coach, maybe it's just the fact that he's plus 70 years of age and maybe people or maybe he doesn't think he wants to go through the rigors. So that's the storyline. You let this guy walk without compensation. You kept the general manager who's almost 100 games under 500 over nine years. And now you got this laundry list of names. So I'm taking this piece of paper with all those names (laughs) and giving it to you. You tell me your response. Well, this is interesting because, well, first of all, Schilt and Flaherty, internal candidates, we knew 
they were going to be in the mix. And, you know, they're, you know, Schilt has the track record with the Cardinals. Flaherty, I guess, is a minion of A.J. Preller. But Schumacher's name surprises me because wasn't he just bad mouthing the Padre organization a number of months ago when like when he left and went to Miami? I don't know if he was bad mouthing or people are insinuating he was bad mouthing. But if they went back and asked for permission, that leads me to believe there's still some type of relationship there because he had a good relationship while he was here as the bench coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was a coach in St. Louis for Schilt. So there's a relationship there. And you add into the equation, many people liked him here. And what he just accomplished in one year in Miami where they had not won anything since the early 2000s. And now the owner has screwed everything up there uh, at Marlins Park. So it may well be he might be one and done. If, if indeed he's a lead candidate, I think he's a hot candidate for this job because sure. he's younger, he's smart, he's mm-hmm. got an edge to him, mm-hmm. and now he's proven himself. Yeah. I mean, Schumacher would be great. I mean, as a guy, and I mean, people talk about Schilt as, you know, that great tracker with the Cardinals, but I just don't really know him. Yep. But Schumacher's been interviewed a lot, and he's a dude, man. I mean, he's a great guy, and uh, he would be a good guy to have in the dugout. Mattingly, maybe, you know, you're talking about him. I'm surprised Buck Showalter isn't going to be interviewing because he's looking for a job. Mark Loretta, that was an interesting angle there. And there's a history, you know, of picking guys that are not managers. And if if AJ wants to have his puppet, Loretta could be that guy. I hate to use the word puppet. I don't want somebody to use the word bobo. But, you know, at the end, end of the day, I think it needs to be a proven commodity guy. And then you need to give the proven commodity guy the window to run it and deal with the player's the way he wants to deal with it, not the way the general manager wants to deal with it. I think GM has to stay out of the clubhouse and stay out of the dugout on game day. You give the manager the data, but it's his team starting at first pitch at 7 o'clock at night. So I'll be intrigued to see. I don't think this job is going to be filled in the next 15 minutes. (laughs) I do think they'll spread their tentacles and try to interview a number of different and unique people. All right, so you're a Padre fan. Uh, that chat box is open for Padre fans. Agree or disagree with them letting that manager, Bob Melvin, go to the enemy, quote, San Francisco Giants? And in what kind of manager do you think they want? We urge you to join us. Get in line. Now, don't send us 12 different <laughs> items in the chat box. Give us one or two with your best takes, because otherwise you fill up the chat box and we want other people to be able to get involved. So Padre fan, jump on board. All right. Next Padre related question. OK, so this was the press conference from yesterday, right? Zoom call. The Zoom call with A.J. Preller. I mean, were you checking that out? It's a it was pretty interesting quotes that came from that. Yeah, I give him credit. He stood on the firing line. I give him credit. He took the heat. Don't give him credit because he didn't really answer all the specific questions that were thrown at him. Uh, to a degree, there was denial. To a degree, there was lack of accountability. To agree, to a degree, I don't think he really echoed very many comments about joint decisions, teamwork, etc. You can read between the lines of every answer and interpret it the way you want. I would, we're doing something a little bit different. This is a full screen look of the hottest quotes of A.J. Preller's Zoom call to the media. You know, he continues to be in denial that there was any disconnect between him and the manager, Bob Melvin, in the dugout. Quote, that's not true. Well, there's 32 different people who anonymously gave their opinions to the Union Tribune and the Athletic website about the turmoil from within. So I'll leave it up to you, Padre fans. Do you think there was a narrative narrative that there was a disconnect? He said, we had two years of success. Well, I would say you had three months of success in a, a year ago when you pushed your way into the playoffs and beat the Dodgers. This was not a year of success. It was a year of gross underachievement. We both made adjustments. Well, I'm not quite sure I buy that phraseology because it sure looked like by the time we got to the finish line, there was a lot of button of the heads between the general manager and the just released field manager. John, your response to the first set of quotes. Yeah, I mean, this is really interesting. I mean, we we got here the, the narrative disconnect, you know. I want to make a broad comment, first of all. A.J. Preller is a master at talking for 30 minutes and saying nothing. I mean, do you ever get that feeling? He no, because just- he's been honest with me about a bunch of things off the record. But in this public forum, 
He did talk, but I'm not sure he answered all the questions. Yeah, well, you know, it's it just I, I I watched part of it, and you know, he's obviously deferring to Bob. You know, had the opportunity back home where he grew up, the team he kind of came up with. That's nice, but you know, we we as an organization they need to fix what went wrong. We need to fix the problems that drove Melvin away, and I'm not sure if they've really addressed that. Next group of questions. This is the second tier of questions. It came up, why, because you owed him $4 million and you're letting him out of the contract, why did you not ask for compensation? And I think AJ made the comment, we didn't want to cloud the process. I'll make the comment, he wanted the guy gone, we let him go scot-free, you don't have to give us anything, you take him if he wants to go. I think that's a truer statement than we didn't want to cloud the process <laughs> by asking the Giants for money or a player. He did say something that was intriguing, this was not unprecedented. You know, we, the Padres, asked another team to access to their manager who was under contract. That was Bob Melvin in Oakland, and Oakland let him go scot-free. No compensation there. And we respect Bob. We decided to let him interview. I don't know that I buy that sales pitch, John. I think the reality is they wanted to make a change, and just he had the right opportunity. So good luck to you. Your response. Yeah, it's interesting because if they wanted to let him go, this is the best way for him to depart, right? They don't have to fire him. There's no fight. There's no ugly mess. They just kind of let him walk. And if that was the objective of Preller is to move on, well, they've got that done. But darn it, he, he cannot fail again on another manager. I mean, we got to get this right. All right, so you're a Padre fan. You believe the sales pitch, the comments from A.J. Preller? Let's go to the third set, because this, this one involves the operation within the front office. And A.J. Preller's comments to the media, I always urge my people, say what you feel. Bring your ideas to the table. Speak your opinion, then we'll decide, then we will commit. That's not what I hear. What I hear is, these are the guidelines, this is the structure, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't follow it or you have problems with it, see ya. That's what I hear from within. Now, he surrounded himself by what I think are a bunch of good baseball people, analytics guys, etc. And maybe he's given them free reign. But you know, a year ago, there was a lot of turnover in that front office. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if there'll be more turnover in this front office. So... Say what you feel about what AJ said, what he felt. Well, that it makes sense. If you're going to tell your 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 staff, your front office guys, your management team, you know, in the dugout and all the coaching staff, that's the right message. Bring your ideas. We'll talk it out. We'll make a decision and then we'll commit. But it makes you wonder if that really is what happened. I mean, because are the... The recommendations from the front office analytics guys, are they truly recommendations or are they edicts? You know, do this, do that. I will also say that it is interesting that Bob Melvin is twice now left a team where he still had one year left on his contract. So then it kind of makes me wonder if there's more going on here with Bob Melvin if two teams are are willing to just let him walk. Well, I think the Oakland situation was just horrific. And he got tired of trying to run a major league franchise with a minor league budget without any established players. I mean, if you go back, just go back 24 months, look at the roster a year ago in Oakland, look at the roster the year prior in Oakland, and all their established guys, gone, all traded away, yeah. etc. So Melvin wakes up one morning and says, I'm not going to finish my career this way, operating under these guidelines that John Fisher is trying to implement, mm -hmm. and Billy Bean was gone. Billy had removed himself, and they had a new general manager, David Forst, came in, who was a Bean disciple. But I think Bob Melvin woke up and said, no, I just can't do this anymore. I don't want to end my career like what happened to Mark Kotze this past season. Right. So, boom, great reputation, three-time manager of the year, shows up, Padres hire him. I mean, I texted AJ after he hired Bob Melvin. I said, congratulations, you hit a home run. Yeah, for sure. I felt like I should text AJ this time and saying, you whiffed on this situation. You better not hit 215 next year. <laughs> but I decided not, not to do that. Okay, so that's the storyline with AJ Preller. Next topic is the San Francisco version of the storyline. Yeah, I mean, we saw parts of that press conference, and Melvin sort of hinted a little bit about some of the friction. 
I think the Giants stole a manager. He wants to manage the Bay Area. It's going home, and he's going into a better situation. He had one meeting with him. He met with him Monday. They offered him the deal Monday night, and they had the press conference on Wednesday. Uh, you know, he did not like some of the storylines that were out there. His phrase was, the narratives would not go away, making reference to 2024. And the narrative was, his set of values versus A.J. Preller's mandate. What was going on in the clubhouse versus how he wanted to run the clubhouse. What might happen to the roster, considering all the potential changes that were coming. Uh, you know, he he what he said is not totally accurate. There's a lot of stuff out there that he didn't say out loud. Here's the shocker to me. Despite the talent on the roster, despite the Padre payroll, despite Petco Park and all the sellouts, this guy decided to vacate. He wanted out so he could go to San Francisco, which has got virtually no farm system, virtually no established roster, trying to be a player and free agent, but has not lured anybody there. I mean, I'm sorry, the Madison Bumgardner Matt Cain era is a long time removed. Um, so he elected to leave where all the riches were to go to a situation that kind of looks like it's dirt poor. He never said thank you to San Diego. He never saluted Peter Seidler for allowing him to come. I thought that was strange. He just made reference to, I decided to exit because the narratives were not likely going to change. I'm a little bit surprised at that. You tell me. Well, have you heard the comment from uh, Melvin, or uh, maybe it wasn't from Melvin. It's kind of like cascading through social media that he doesn't want Soto. He he wanted to have Soto removed, traded, whatever. But what's the problem there? I mean, with Juan Soto and Bob Melvin, do you have any insight on that? The only insight I have is that Soto is a Boris client, and Soto may not have taken teaching from Padre coaches when they were trying to figure out why he was a mechanical mess at home plate, hmm. that he may have blown off all the recommendations. Now, he maybe he fixed it himself because he started to hit better after the 230 batting average that dragged through the first couple of months of the season, right. and he became an established big league star again like he did in Washington. So maybe he was just not the kind of guy that was willing to take on the data, either from Melvin or the coaches, and that became an area, I think, that they clashed. The guy did hit. There's no doubt about what he did the back two-thirds of the season. But he's a Boris client. And it, to me, it's almost as if Soto only cares about my statistics and the rest of it's junk. I don't, I don't believe any of the stuff that comes out of his mouth about teamwork and clubhouse and all that. Just I don't believe any of the junk that comes out of, look at the back of my baseball card, Manny Machado's mouth either. But that's, <laughs> that's where we are now. Is it deeper than that? It might well be. I mean, that rumor is out there that Melvin and Soto were not eye to eye. And Melvin may have said, you need to get this guy out of here. But A.J. couldn't do that after having traded six for one. Right. And they, they stayed the course, and the guy hit the hell out of the ball, had a good second half of the season, maybe has a good season next year, and then maybe they have to, they have to make a, a, a decision come trade deadline time. If they're not in the pennant race, they trade him and get whatever they can. But they're never going to get six for one for him. That's a big issue. And I just don't think they can resign him because that's Scott Boris's guy. We know how— Boris takes his players to free agency. Yeah, he's most likely going to go to free agency. Maybe we can sign him after the next offseason. But I've seen rumors that the Yankees have been inquiring for him to go play in New York. And you see, well, you even shared some of those uh, yep. potential trades. Um, and you just kind of wonder this collection of prospects, like, really, what are you getting? I mean, for me, if if I'm A.J. Preller, if, if I'm Peter Seidler, and assuming they don't need to get down to $200 million— you keep Soto and you keep building um, and take another run at this next year. I, I concur with you. I'd keep him. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not going to sign an extension, I don't think, here. Not if the price tag's $50 million, they're not going to give it to him. But you keep him and see if you can push yourselves into the playoff race. See if you can actually play in October, maybe even be a World Series team. And then you take your chances to try to sign him to a reasonable contract. But knowing that Scott Boros... Maybe that's not very reasonable. So your reaction on Fans Forum, you're a baseball fan. You're from the Bay Area, a giant fan, like this idiot. Um, 
Your reaction to how Melvin handled his exit? You think he decided this is the best thing for me to leave? I'm not happy here. It's the best thing for the Padres. Join us on Fans Forum. Oh, by the way, we do have games to talk about, which is kind of important. Yeah, it is. I mean, coming up here, we got the World Series. The Diamondbacks are in the World Series, Lee. What happened to this season? Go ahead. You can just pile on. Just be belligerent. That's okay. No problem. This guy's been talking about Arizona for a couple of weeks. Rangers, Diamondbacks, wild card World Series. Who could have ever imagined that? You got the Grand Canyon versus the Longhorn State. You got baseball free agency versus baseball's farm system. You got Texas that lost 101 a couple of years ago and spent $513 million in two years, and they're in the World Series. Amazing. Got Arizona, which lost 110 two years ago. Rebuilt their farm system. They all kind of arrived collectively together. They got good together. Add into the equation, they made a couple of significant trades that kind of changed the makeup of the Diamondbacks. I can't believe these are the two that are playing. El Bombi. Adolis Garcia, released twice. He's not a rookie. He's 30. Really? A lot of people forget that. Uh, wow. He, he was DFA'd a couple of times, including once by Texas. But El Bombi, hitting 327 in the postseason, seven homers, 20 ribbies, climbing walls and taking home run balls back into the yard, getting beamed and creating incidents at home plate, and strutting around the bases, infuriating people because he hits home runs. But it's just not Garcia. Corey Seager, 323 in postseason after hitting 350 in the regular season. And I don't think Texas believes what they're getting from this kid outfielder, Evan Carter. He's hitting 308. Uh, there's another guy that's really had a hot second half and a pretty good playoffs. Minnesota got rid of him, Mitch Garver. He's hitting 294 in a wide variety of roles, catching. DHing just a little bit. Texas, 22 home runs in 12 games. Wow. They do crank it. And think about this. These guys have gotten to the World Series having lost Jacob deGrom right out of the gate in spring training and going a large chunk of the front end of the season without Nathan Eovaldi, the free agent who came, the ex-Red Sox guy. Now, Evaldi's gotten healthy. The Texas is just, that's a complete baseball team, and they do rake. And then you got Arizona. Arizona's kitty core roster. We <laughs> talked in spring training. Mm -hmm. Watch Corbin Carroll. Oh, he's hitting 295 in postseason. Gabe Marino, the catcher, hitting 279. Cattell Marte. I, this guy is really unsung. He's hitting 358 in postseason. And then they have the guy that shows up on the odd occasion and does something Christian Walker, Tommy Fan, the ex Blue Jay, Lords Guriel, Zach Gallon, the ace of the staff. I'm surprised that the guy that came from Japan, Merrill Kelly, has really evolved into a really good starting pitcher because I didn't think he had it in him. I thought he was just kind of a journeyman. And this young guy, uh, Brandon Fatt, man, oh, man, has he pitched well in postseason. And they're three deep in the bullpen, and they made the trade at the deadline to get Paul Sewald. And, boy, has he done a job for them. I mean, that's a really good Arizona team with kind of a cross-section of young baseball players. So we got free agent baseball versus farm system baseball. You got the Grand Canyon State against the Longhorn State. Texas, Arizona. I think the Rangers are going to beat them, but it's going to be a fun series. And John from left field calling in says, well, I, this is going to be really interesting. I mean, these are I did, never would have expected these two teams to be the ones that survived. But I'm kind of pushing here for Arizona. I mean, you know, it's kind of the Cinderella story for these kids. They were only two games better than the Padres in the regular season. Um, so, you know, and I tell you, I've had this love-hate relationship with Tommy Pham, you know, and there's and Corbin Carroll's been really exciting. So they'll be fun to root for. But, you know, going back to the Rangers, there's a lot of guys on that team I just didn't really know much about. Garcia was one of them. And... Um, and so was Evan Carter. I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. And he's batting third for the Rangers. And yeah, he's pretty good. He can rake. He does a great job. Mitch Garver, you know, another like New Mexico Lobo and had a great, you know, uh, track record up, I think, with Minnesota. Right. Um, and did really well up there. So clearly the Rangers should be favored here. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm all in on the Diamondbacks. If for nothing else, 
the NL West to have a representative there, and it's not the Dodgers, hey, why not the Diamondbacks? Okay, fans forum, chat box is open. You pick in Texas, you pick in Arizona. Now let's pick up the conversation. The next question, who's like you and me watching the World Series on TV? Yeah, yeah. Who's watching? You know, because it's going to be Arizona and Dallas, and there's all those big market teams that failed. Okay, let's look at the laundry list of guys that did not get there. Uh, we'll start with the Philadelphia Phillies, and this was a shocker because going home up in the series, three games to two, I thought it'd be a walkover, and Arizona beat them twice. Castellanos, zero for twenty-three down mm. the stretch of this playoff series. Schwarber, Harper, the last two games at home, 1 for 12. Trey Turner, 1 for 15, black hole. They scored three runs in 18 innings. And in the Philadelphia-Arizona series, the Phillies hit 173. That's a shocker. Atlanta didn't get there. They hit only three home runs in four games after hitting 307 home runs during the course of the regular season. And I didn't realize the stat till I checked it out last night. Ronald Acuna, 143 in this playoff series. Amazing. Yeah, just absolutely stunning. Uh, Mike Harris, leadoff guy, just made so many things happen in the early rounds of the playoffs. 0 for 13. Marcelo Zuna, 2 for 13. And Atlanta is a team, a buck 88. In, the, in that last playoff series. So they're, they're not there. We've talked extensively about the Dodgers. Betts and Freeman, one for 21 at the top of the batting order when they got swept. Max Muncie, J.D. Martinez, who had hit really well, four for 21. Dodgers hit only one home run in that series, losing to Arizona. And the Dodgers hit only 177 in the playoff series with the D-backs. And then there's Houston. Uh, you know what? They got wiped out despite the heroics of Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez, who hit 387. But a whole bunch of other guys didn't hit. And then Verlander, Vasque, Valdez, and Yorkurdi didn't pitch well in the rotation. They're starting pitching. Houston's starting pitching in that final playoff series with Texas, 5.89 ERA. Wow. So they didn't do real well. So those are the guys that didn't make it. Of the four teams that I just walked through and all the statistics, what shocked you the most, John? It was definitely it was Atlanta, you know, kind of not really get advancing because I figured they were a lock to get to the World Series. But it is interesting how the Phillies were just rolling. I mean, they were just killing it. And then all of a sudden they just they shut off the valves and nothing could work. And it feels like I, I get that as a Padre fan, that frustration we were feeling. You got this all-star lineup and then the guys don't hit, they don't produce. They're all, you know, like we say, Turner was like one for 15. 15. I mean, that's a guy that's making what, 30 mil a year. Um, it's unbelievable how they went to be so dominating. It's like a team of superheroes to just sort of meekly getting, you know, pushed out by the, Arizona Diamondbacks. I sat there and I watched the tail end of all those games, Arizona, Philadelphia. And every time they went to the bullpen, I said, holy cow, is Arizona throwing heat? Look at the gas. Look at the ball movement. Mm -hmm. And the Phillies just unrivaled. They were they, A, they couldn't hit the pitching, and B, then they started to swing at stuff that wasn't even in the strike zone. And it just absolutely <laughs> got devastated. So, yeah. We got two teams in the World Series I don't think anybody ever expected. Hey, we get to halftime. Brought to you by Dixieline Lumber and Home Center Stores. A reminder, Fans Forum is coming up right at the end. John, just very briefly, tell all the people on our live stream how they can co-host with us. Okay, so co-hosting. I mean, we have so many people in the line here. Let me just blast off a few names. Raul, Christopher, Steele, um, Lord Irish is in the line. Uh, Steel Cartel, Anthony. We've got Daniel, Ed. I mean, the list is so long. We're going to try to get everyone in. Ty is in there. Robert. Um, so we'll try to get as many people involved in Fans Forum. If you got a comment or question for Hacksaw, type it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube, and we'll get you involved. And a reminder, we want you to subscribe so you will get the alerts every time we put something up on our YouTube channel, which is now almost daily. Also, go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. 
Check it out daily. It's all written. You will get an absolute ton of information that you won't get anywhere else. And by the way, since we have no friends, we invite you to give us a thumbs up. And John invites you to give us five-star rating, too. Mm -hmm. And thanks again for being with us. We get to halftime. Our podcast brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. You know, there's nine locations to serve you in San Diego. And I know we're about to turn the corner into the month of November. If you got fall projects or you're thinking about unique things for the holidays, think about saving money and getting the materials you want at Dixie Line Lumber. They got doors, they got windows, they got decking, they got kitchen and bath cabinets and countertops. And they also got holiday lighting projects and products, too. Check out the great values. Check out also the Dixie Line gift card valued up to $600 with a purchase of selected doors and window products. Fix it, build it. We guarantee you will like it there at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Back here, we start the second half. We're going from baseball because there were a ton of topics on the table. John, let's talk about the great sports weekend vis-a-vis NFL. NFL football. I mean, it's week eight. I mean, the season's getting hot and heavy. I mean, you've got some big games here that you wanted to highlight, Lee. Well, unique games. Let's start with the Rams versus the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas coming off the bye week. This is Dallas's pass rush, which is really special against Matthew Stafford and what I think is a troubled uh, Rams offensive line. Dak Prescott really was impressive in the shootout win over the Chargers. Don't think the Rams are going to offer the same type of staunch defense against Dak. They're coming off the bye. They think they're about to make a push to become upper echelon in the NFC. I think the Rams are going to have their hands full with this game against the Dallas Cowboys. Patriots, Miami. You know, up until last weekend, people were wondering, is Bill Belichick in big trouble? And then all of a sudden, his quarterback, Mac Jones, had a really good game, and they shocked Buffalo. Well, at the, at the end, end of the day, you got a New England team that has to go down to the Sunshine State to play the Dolphins. Dolphins are a little bit banged up right now. Their defense isn't real good, and now Tyreek Hill's got a bit of a hip issue. He did not practice for a couple of days this week. He says he'll be there come Sunday. Is he going to be 100%? Tua. He's got to face Belichick's defense. Belichick's defense hangs in there and plays pretty well. And there's a burning question out there. Miami, Miami's got a lot of people asking questions, including me. How <laughs> tough are you? Because in the two big games that they played against better teams in the league, they got smoked. So we'll see how Miami bounces back, and I think they will. They tangle with New England. Interesting AFC game. You got Jacksonville, which is feeling pretty good about themselves. They're not a household name. There's not a lot of names in neon light, but they're five and two. And they're playing the Steelers. Pittsburgh is four and two, living off their defense. So therefore you got Trevor Lawrence, the new wide receiver Calvin Ridley is catching a lot of passes. Travis Etienne, uh, the former Clemson star. Uh, with Trevor Lawrence in the ACC. Very good Jacksonville defensive front. They're going to face T.J. Watt and Highsmith. And what right now is a Steeler defense that's really playing out of its mind. Uh, I don't know that Pittsburgh is going to be able to move the football all that well, though they, they do get Deontay Johnson back off the uh, uh, injured reserve. So now they got Johnson and George Pickens to catch Kenny Pickett's throws. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough game for both teams. I I get Jacksonville winning. And then you got the Bengals versus San Francisco. And now suddenly this game is really, really strange. Uh, Joe Burrow's feeling much better. Jamar Chase is having a remarkable season en route to 100 receptions. They're thrown to a couple different receivers and tight ends. Suddenly, Frisco's not the same. They just lost Brock Purdy. 48 hours after that game against Minnesota, he showed up with concussion symptoms. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at video. You know, everybody's everybody's talking about the tush-push play down on the goal line. Mm-hmm. They tried to run Brock Purdy down on the goal line. He went into the pile low, and he got speared in the helmet. He got hit helmet-to-helmet by a Viking linebacker. That's why I don't like that play, because a lot of junk can happen at the bottom of the pile if your quarterback is at the bottom of the pile. In this case, Purdy tried to just go straight in behind his center. He was on his, the center's hip. 
and he got blasted by a Minnesota linebacker right in the helmet. Viking linebacker is probably going to get fined. That's why I don't like that play. So now Sam Darnold will have to start for San Francisco. And people are looking at the 49ers a little bit differently because suddenly their pass rush is not there. And, boy, they've lost a couple in a row. And now you got Joe Burrow is 100% starting to play Cincinnati Bengal Joe Burrow football. So uh, 49ers could lose this game with Sam Donald as the starting quarterback. That's what I say. What do you say? I, I, I was surprised that they lost to Minnesota. I was watching that game and uh – it, you know, it's funny with Purdy because he can look so sharp, you know, making the right throw at the right time. Um, but I remember that play when he when he did that sneak. And it seems to be in vogue now because the Eagles are doing it all the time with Jalen Hurts. But, yeah, I mean, those guys, I mean, imagine being in the middle of that pile and getting blasted and getting blasted. And those dudes are huge. I mean, you have like a, a dog pile on top of you. I mean, that would be, I mean, really easy to get injured. So I'm surprised there isn't more concussions when it comes down to that play. But, you know, Sam Darnold should be an adequate backup. You know, he should be able to be steady Eddie here. Um, and hopefully the 49ers can continue winning. But yeah, I, I was worried about the Bengals. So maybe they're coming back. So we'll see. Uh, Debo Samuel's not going to play. He's still out with that oh, injury. So, you yeah, know, that's they're, trouble. they're shy a couple of other players. Okay, we go from NFL football. We're going to talk hoops. hoops. Opening opening weekend of the season, but a lot of controversy around the National Football League with your guy, the loudmouth, Sir Charles. <laughs> I love Charles Barkley. I think he's terrific. And so he's got into a little scrum here with Adam Silver. Tell us, Lee. Yeah, the commissioner. Charles Barkley goes on network TV on opening night. Everybody's excited about opening night. And what's Barkley talking about? He's not talking about who went where, free agency, big trades, etc. He's talking about domestic abuse. And he railed on Adam Silver, the commissioner, indicating the league is soft on these guys that are involved in domestic abuse. And what set him off was Houston guard Kevin Porter got arrested a couple of weeks ago on a domestic abuse incident in which he, quote, strangled his girlfriend. Unbelievable. She suffered a neck injury, though it's now been proven that she had a neck problem prior to the physicality of, of the incident, the domestic incident. So he got removed from the Houston Rockets roster. The league did not suspend him at that point. They were going to, quote, do their investigation. Houston turned around and traded the guy, salary dumped them to Oklahoma City. <laughs> While he's supposedly under investigation, about to get suspended, Oklahoma City then waived him. So two NBA teams got salary cap relief with a domestic abuser. So he's out in the street, has yet been had to be suspended. So Barkley went after Adam Silver there. Then there's a Charlotte Hornets uh, guy who got arrested last year, Mikhail Bridges. He played all last year, quote, under appeal while the investigation's going on. Now, he was hit with a 30-game sanction to start this season, domestic abuse. But Barkley's of the opinion, why is this guy playing? He was arrested. He was charged. He should not be on the court. And then the third one, and this has got implications that spread from San Antonio to the L.A. Clippers. There's a young guard by the name of Josh Primo. San Antonio had him. Josh Primo is a young guy who's got real social issues. He was removed from the roster. He was in counseling last year in San Antonio. Hold on to your chair. <laughs> he exposed himself to the woman counselor who was meeting with him nine times. Unbelievable. San Antonio released him, and he lost a lot of money. Yeah. The Clippers signed him. Guy has not been disciplined by the NBA, and we're talking about a social, sexual deviate. Mm -hmm. Exposed himself to the woman counselor nine times over three different meetings, and then the Spurs found out about it and jettisoned him out. So I, to a degree, I think Barkley's got a right to bark at Adam Silver if they're involved in this kind of stuff, and every one of these incidents to me is way over the line. Yeah, for sure. Why are they still on somebody's active roster? Why are you allowing teams to move the contracts and get salary relief 
with a guy's a domestic abuser that strangled his girlfriend, allegedly. So you, your response? Well, I mean, if if we did that in our job, we Somebody would get, also be doing this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, depending on what your career is, I mean, you would almost certainly be fired for something like that, especially if you're a public person that wears the brand of your company on your shirt every day. Um, but uh, it, it's I, I got to love Charles Barkley, and I love how <laughs> he will bring up social issues. He'll even dip his toe into politics sometimes on that TNT program. And I like his bravery. And everyone wants to hear what Charles has to say, even when the, the, the comment is from left field. But who was the player for the Rockets? Was it Porter? The Kevin talking? Porter. Kevin Porter. You know, that's clever what those teams did. I mean, they. it's weird that you would trade a guy, like someone would want to receive a guy that's under investigation. So part of a salary dump. But but yeah, that's the cool part about it is, is Houston and Oklahoma City figured out a way to manage their salary and still let this guy go out on the street. So good on those guys for kind of playing the game, uh, you know, to maximize their team situation. So you're a Houston Rocket fan now, huh? Okay. <laughs> well, he's got to get rid. They got rid of him. You know, you got to give him credit there. So we'll see where this goes. We'll see what the league does in the aftermath of three really controversial incidents. We got trouble off the court, off the field. We got some other storylines to talk about. And this podcast, we we do burn our fingers. We do put our hand next to the burner when there's some hot stories out there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just like on the radio when you were doing 690 and 1090, you weren't shy either. <laughs> I mean, you would put, you would like ring people's bells and get them fired up because there's so much crap going on off the field. Okay. These are the headlines off the field. Let's talk about this because this is a really bad story. University of San Diego. We have talked about the one AA football program. We talked about the hazing incident. We talked about the on-campus investigation. We talked about the fact that the university refuses to make the coach nor players available for any interviews and not promoting their football program, which right now has fallen off the face of the earth at one and six. Now we find out the player that triggered this is a transfer quarterback. His name is A.J. Perez. A.J. Perez filed a lawsuit against the University of San Diego saying he was the victim the first night he was in camp in August. The veteran players called all the transfers and the freshmen in for, quote, team meeting that turned out to be hazing. And it had sexual implications. It had pornography. It had beer drinking. It had marijuana all in these dorm rooms on campus that were empty because the students had not reported. The kid, the quarterback, a transfer from Utah Tech, checked out. He left school after that first day. He went home, told his family, said, I'm not going to be as part of that culture. This is a Catholic university. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. This is a university has not stood up and said, we have discovered problem A, B, C, D. These are the people that were involved in it. This is what we're doing. About it. They have just stood there and ignored media request, quote, while we're conducting our investigation. Oh, come on. So A.J. Perez went public and has sued the school for damages. On top of that, he told the coaching staff, I would like to remain a student. I'll do my coursework online. University did not help him at all. Really? I mean, it's really stunning. Unbelievable. This is USD. This is a Catholic university with a great reputation. So we got that. And then we got the story in San Ysidro with basketball star Mikey Williams. Three more felony charges have now been filed against him. The aftermath of gun incidents at his home in Homul about a year and a half ago. Uh, the prosecution now filed three more felony gun incidents. One of them's got to do with witness intimidation. He's now got he's now facing eight different felonies um, and they've tried to delay the process. He was supposed to go to Memphis State. They said, you're not coming on this campus till you solve your situation. Now he's going back to court. Trial date scheduled for maybe early January. And Mikey Williams could be facing 30 years in prison for firing shots, allegedly, into a car that had five other young people who had come to his house to party. Really ugly story. And the witness tampering, I think, makes the case even worse. So Mikey Williams' career is on hold. And then there's the weird story with Dwight Howard, longtime established NBA player. He's being sued by another man whom he had a sexual relationship with. Um, the man says that Dwight Howard sexually assaulted him in Atlanta. Dwight Howard said, this man was my friend. It was consensual. And now this man has gone public to try to make this 
a payday. And he's asked the judge to throw this sexual assault lawsuit filed by his former live-in partner to throw it out of court. Sorry we got to touch these stories, but those stories are topics on the table. John? You're going to respond? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you say here? I mean, f- damn fools. I mean, the USD hazing thing is, is really distressing. I read the article about some of the things they had to do, and I, I, I really want to say it out loud. I mean, th- they were being treated like like chattel. I mean, it was it was terrible what they were doing. And to come from a Catholic school, yep. you know, with all of the controversy around, you know, child molestation with priests in some Catholic churches, you think that the, the, the archdiocese would kind of have their act together here and have like a game plan on how they're interacting with the media, et cetera. So this is a disgrace. Um, you know, and I, I kind of, you know, USD is one of those programs you kind of expect them to be the good guys, right? Um, and they're not. Uh, Mikey Williams, what a fool, what an idiot. Um, that kid had some great uh, uh, future potential, um, and, and he's just flushing it down the drain. The Dwight Howard story, I'm not sure what to make of that. This seems like there's a lot more information that should come from that, um, but we'll find out. Um, but yeah, it's bananas. Should we take a time out and go wash our hands? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This it just, feels that way. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, in, in, with, in the era of social media, too, a lot more of this sort of stuff we hear about players that maybe in the past we didn't. It, it's just shocking how they are not getting the right kind of guidance from older players, from family members to keep these kids in line. I mean, Micah Williams would have been a, making tens of millions of dollars in the NBA, and now he might go to jail for 30 years. Yeah, and we talked extensively when this thing first surfaced about decision-making, who's guiding him, why are these people around him who look like they are his enablers? I mean, this this could turn out to be really sad at the end. Hey, our podcast brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. There are nine locations to serve you. You got projects for the fall or something you want to do going towards the holidays? Visit Dixie Line Lumber, nine locations to serve you. Best part of the program, John's best <laughs> friends are all dialing in from left field with questions and comments. Time for Fans Forum. Fire away. Here we go. This is this is from Raul, who, by the way, jumped in before we even got started. And he said, hey, what's next for San Diego State? Can the season be saved and end on a happy note? Thanks. Well, you're talking Aztec football right now, which is a, just a gross disappointment. Yeah, they've got a bunch of winnable games. And they're they're on a bye week this week, you know. Conceivably, they could finish up seven and five, but seven and five is going to get you a third tier bowl game, and you still have the quarterback problem. And I think to a degree, there's still a credibility problem about head coach Brady Hoke. And they got the biggest problem of all: how do they sell this football program to fans that won't come watch them play any longer in that stadium? Because A, the product is boring, and B, they're not winning, and C, the prices remain to be outrageous. So San Diego State, John, I think has got a huge issue as to how they solve that or... Do we just answer the question, when does basketball season start? Yeah, exactly. I think we're all looking forward to Aztec hoops. But, you know, this just seems to be happening at just the wrong time when all this NIL stuff is going on, transfer portal, players are leaving the program already. And you think, how are you going to attract players to come here? Because they got to come here on, a, on an NIL discount in the first place. Um, and now with all of this you know, disappointment, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They're, the people are calling for Brady Hoke's head in social media, and it's brutal. I just don't think that's going to happen at this point in time. But they got to rethink. They got to rethink how they sales pitch, how they recruit, who they recruit. But there, there's an area there that really bothers me, really worries me. I don't think they have the five and ten dollar bills in the NIL budget to go compete. Yeah. I think that. I think that's what's happened. In Aztec football, why they have not gotten marquee guys to come here, transfer portal. And I think to a degree in basketball, they did not haul in the type of D1 transfers because other people are paying significantly more money to get those same kids to transfer there mm-hmm. rather than here. I think, it's, I think it's a huge problem at San Diego State. There's just the whole big NIL picture. Okay, we carry on. Carrying on. Let's go here to Robert. He says, do you think Lincoln Riley will leave with Caleb to the NFL? Caleb's dropping hits. Maybe he won't go. Now, I find that hard to believe. But Caleb, there's this, a theory out there. He does not want to play for the Arizona Cardinals. 
Now, he could also stand up and do what John Elway did and mm-hmm. do what Eli Manning did. Is I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. Don't draft me. Trade that pick. Drop down one slot. I'm not going to Arizona. That's the rumor mill out there. Um, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to leave. Lincoln's got his hands full, though, because he's got to reevaluate what he's doing or not getting done defensively on that side of the football because we're looking at the second straight substandard season defensively. And the Trojans, I'm sorry to ruin your fall. Trojan club members in San Diego and Los Angeles, you're not going to the college football playoffs. you know. And they still have to play Oregon, Washington, and UCLA with that defense. Wow. Yeah, I mean, good luck there. Um, there's no way Lincoln Riley's going to go to the NFL, because if he did, he would never be a head coach. He mm-hmm. would be an offensive coordinator at best. Um, and, you know, if you're the king of the hill at USC, you're making so much money. There, I don't know, there's no way an offensive coordinator position in the NFL pays more than that, right? But if you're king of the hill, which I assume they have a big checking account for NIL money. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, big cigars. You need to go get better players on defense. Big time. Yeah, they need better players. No question about it. Let's carry on. All right, here we go. Let's go to John. And he says, I don't see the Marlins allowing uh, Schumacher to leave, but he's probably the best able to work with Preller. I think Mike Schilt might be the best choice. One name I don't hear is Donnie, uh, Donnie Ballgame. I don't know that Donnie Ballgame, Don Mattingly's persona, fits what Preller wants. And, you know, Donnie, Donnie's been around the block now bunch of times managing different teams i don't think he you know showed flashes that he was a dominant dominant manager he's living off his first baseman name mm-hmm. so i don't know that donnie mattingly is is really the right guy i think schilt is there's an edge to schilt i i think that the burning question is will that general manager allow the new manager if it is schilt to come in and run the clubhouse the way Schilt wants this clubhouse to run, because things, from a chemistry standpoint, inside there, have to change. Um, Schumacher, I was told, is really upset at Bruce Sherman, the owner. Sherman's the one that ran off Derek Jeter, the CEO, who is the first piece of credibility as they're trying to fix that franchise. And then they hired Kim Ng, and she did a really nice job with player acquisition, especially wrapped around the trading deadline. And they got to the playoffs, what they had not gotten to in a long time. And she left because they wouldn't give her an an extension. And they wanted to hire somebody else above her, and she was the decision maker. And yesterday, they just fired their farm director, who had done a good job stockpiling pitching talent more than anything else. So that's a real unstable situation. Now, maybe the Padres would pay compensation if they think Schumacher is the right guy. I, I kind of like Skip, uh, what interactions I've had with him, but I think Schilt is, is the more proven commodity. Yeah, Schilt has commented many times he's really happy here in San Diego and really likes the organization. So I, I know a lot of guys in, in Padres Twitter have all been kind of identifying Schilt. I mean, they were wanting Melvin to be fired midseason and have Schilt replace him. I'd love to see Schumacher, but it is ridiculous that Kim Ng was re- let go because she did a really good job. I mean, that trade that she did to get Luis Ar- Arias, you know, the second baseman, yeah, the batting the champ. Yeah, that was a really good deal. And she made a number of other great moves and she was always waiting for that opportunity, you know, because of her gender. And then suddenly she gets it. And the next thing you know, they're not extending her and she's out. It kind of has a bad look, in my opinion. Yeah, didn't give her an extension. And they said, oh, by the way, we're going to hire a general manager or a president of baseball ops above you. Yeah, yeah. And he'd be the decision maker, not you. Not you who treated for Luis Arise, who was hitting 384 most of the season. Exactly. Stupid. Okay, we move on. You got questions. We're going to give you answers. Okay, let's go to Daniel. He says, hey, you don't let your girlfriend go out on a date unless you want to break up with her. Preller making it seem like this was Bob's decision was ridiculous. I'll sign that memo. You said it all. Uh, They let him go because I think, in essence, they really wanted him to go. And... You know, we've all had stormy relationships with people, quote, we work for. Mm-hmm. And once you reach the end of the finish line with people that either you can't trust them or you just don't like their philosophy or they treat you a certain way, you say, that's it. I just I'm not going forward with this. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the job, etc. I think that's what happened. They got to the finish line and Melvin was tired of a year and a half of issues and I think that clubhouse issues were true, and I think the fact that he wanted to crack on these guys and Preller's, and Preller's people told him, you're not going to do that to our star players. Well, I do think there needs to be manager leverage against guys in that clubhouse and on that roster. 
And if you're going to play like crap, I'm going to tell you you're playing like crap in a private meeting. Or if you need to be criticized, I'm going to criticize you. And that never, ever happened. So I, I think they got to the finish line and Melvin said, like I said, I'm not working for you anymore. And I think that luckily for him, San Francisco came open and boom, he's gone. Well, Daniel's got a really good analogy here about letting your girlfriend go out on a date because that's definitely a it's perfect uh, analogy. Um, but it, I, the, the problem I had always heard about the friction with the front office was about the analytics guys trying to tell them what to do with the bullpen and the batting order, um, who to start, who not to start. But I, I mean, is this issue about cracking down on the stars? Is this a really big thing? Oh, I, I, th- I think it's there's different layers. Yeah. Of those internal problems. And I I think that's one of the pieces of the equation. A plus B plus C equals D. Yeah, there you go. We got more questions, fans forum. Hope you people like this. Go ahead, John. Okay, let's go to Ed. And he says, I'd like to see the pods go after Showalter, Madden, or maybe Ozzie Guillen to relate better to all the Latino players. I think Guillen's too volatile. Uh, he's really a, a loose loose card. I, I, that's why he's never been hired again. I mean, he was very volatile in Chicago with the White Sox. Um, Madden, I think, pushed back against analytics in Anaheim. And at the end, as good a run as Joe had, and Joe's really a free free spirit, Joe just offended too many people with some of the stuff that he was talking about. And I think people just got tired of the act. I like Buck. Buck's proven commodity. Buck's a little bit old school. Buck ought to be in the 714 area code right now. Should be higher the day after the World Series ends because he would bring credibility on his resume to Angel Baseball. And last I checked in the 714 area code, you can't use credibility and angel leadership in the same sentence. No, that you can't. Well, hopefully, you know, that Showalter lands there. Hey, what about Benji Gill to the Padres? What do you think of that one? Benji, career minor league manager, has done stuff in the Olympics. Is Benji Andy Green? Is Benji Jace Tingler? I mean, we've been down this road a couple of times. I don't know that I want to go there. Mentioning Andy Green, interviewing for the Cleveland Guardians. He is. Head manager's job right now. He spent the last four or five years with Dave Ross in Chicago. So it may well be that he's earned himself a second chance, goes to Cleveland. What about Will Venable? Uh, Will announced last Friday... Uh, he is not a candidate. He wants to stay with Bochi, wants to stay with Chris Young. By the way, Padre Alumni Association will play in the World Series. Yeah. There's a lot of ex-Friars on the Ranger roster. Austin Hedges, Travis Jankowski. You got it, brother. Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, let's do a couple more here, and then we're going to social media. All right, let's go to Ty, and he says, hey, Ruben Niebla might be a good manager. Don't know. Good pitching coach. Uh, I think what I want to wait to see is how many of these coaches— Exit the Padre dugout, go to San Francisco with Bob Melvin. I've heard Niebla, although he's on a multi-year contract. I've heard Matt Williams' contract has expired. I think there's one other that might be going with Melvin to San Francisco. Padres might might not want Niebla to vacate. However, hire a new manager, especially if somebody different. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants his own guys. Right. Although Schilt has been here, so he knows what Ruben, Ruben accomplished. So... Stay tuned for that one. Yeah, I think uh, the front office guys don't want the manager to hire his guys because they're going to have their own candidates in mind. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's move on here. Let's uh, go to 4RXLA. It says Raiders locker room has lost faith in McDaniels, and they will lose really big to the Lions on Monday night. Tell you what, if they get punched in the mouth, and that could happen because Detroit is just relentless on defense. I mean, if, if they take the Raiders apart, and Garoppolo's not going to play. You know, if the Raiders are going to start the kid who they like, Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, but he's facing the Lions' freaking defense. If they were upset that Aiden O'Connell fumbled it three times against the Chargers and threw a pick, what's going to happen when he faces Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit's front four? And, boy, if the Lions batter the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, he's taking heat now, and the, the temperature will just go up a little more. Okay, let's go from that to social media because we just got a few thousand people who got opinions about <laughs> our topics on the table. Go ahead, John. Okay, let's go here to to Bob. He says, "Hey, the Captain Queeg <laughs> comment shows that Hacksaw is definitely an old timer. I thought that was brilliant." Well, you know, Captain Queeg was Humphrey Bogart walking around. Yeah, yeah, who the strawberries and all that nine yards. <laughs> I, that just kind of popped into my front of my my mind about the way Proler seems to be handling business right now. 
And even though he was complimentary about my comment, I saw other social media comments. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Did you not read your assigned reading in eighth grade? Exactly. Okay, we move on. Moving on. <laughs> and uh, let's go here to Jay. The J Romy Rome is the handle here, which is making me wonder if this is Jim Rome's like uh, burner phone. Uh, John Spanos, president of football operations. Only qualification is nepotism. As long as Spanos is at the head seat running football operations, nothing will change. He will never know the pressure of building and creating a winning team and culture, just like his job depended on it. Period. Thanks, Dad, for the job. (laughs) Here's a question. This is a terrible thing to say. The best general manager to ever come out of Torrey Pines? Not John Spenos. John Lynch. Lynch. Yeah, for sure. End of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Padres uh, should say the Chargers should beat the Chicago Bears this week, but everybody beats the Chicago Bears for the most. Could you imagine what Monday would be like, what our Monday bonus podcast would be like if the Chargers lost to a Division II quarterback from Shepherd State of West Virginia? <laughs> Holy cow. In the last minute, probably, of the yeah, game. Yeah, give up the lead and let let, <laughs> let Bajan take the Bears down the road. And I think the Chargers will win. Interesting angle to this game is Justin Herbert is shedding the glove and the brace on his left hand. He's really had trouble handling the ball with using one hand and this only to hold it this way. He's not been able to... Mm-hmm. He says he's getting better. He says he's got to take the glove off. He's He's got to have more flexibility, even though there's still some pain. So we'll keep an eye on that. He's only, you know, his last couple of games, he's only completed 13 and 17 passes. Mm. You know, and they've, you know, they've said, well, he he's playing okay. Well, he's not Justin Herbert, as we've known Justin Herbert attacking down the field, et cetera. So keep an, keep an eye on how he handles the ball, what happens to him without without the brace and the, the splint and the glove on the left hand. Well, you know, the we did that short video about the future of Brandon Staley and Josh McDaniels. Yes. And boy, did the, the fans light up on that. Both sides, Raider fans, Charger fans, both just tremendously frustrated with their head coach. And yeah, imagine if they lost, the Chargers lost to the Bears. I mean, would that be the final straw for Brandon Staley? I don't think they hit the eject button on him right now. But at the end of the season, hey, exit meeting. Here's a brown envelope. Sign your name. Yeah, it might be something like that. I'm speaking from experience, too. Okay. <laughs> okay, a couple more social media questions. Okay, here's uh, here's one from Kiko. He says, great to see you again, Hacksaw. I lost track of you a long, long time ago when you were the man carrying 690 Sports Talk, bouncing far and wide off their clear channel tower in Tijuana. There was no <laughs> other sports talk worth listening to in Los Angeles, and unfortunately, it still sucks. Organizational failures? Oh, you think? No, thank you for the compliment. We had a tremendous run. Wish we were still doing it, but not to be. But that's why we're here doing this. And, uh, yeah, times times have different. Things have changed. The one thing is, this is the way we've always done it. It sure does look successful based on the number of pages of people that are joining us on Fans Forum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's terrific. And it's great. Everyone's just really happy to see you back online here. Let's uh, let's get another comment here. How about one about the NFL? And this is when we were talking about the, the, the DirecTV NFL Sunday ticket. And this is from SR Brooks. And he says, excellent points. They priced it too high for me. Here's some other reasons viewership numbers might be down. Officiating is too much a part of the game now. The amount of time the officials are on screen clarifying penalties, waiting around for further rulings on their rulings, and just making bad calls is too much of a viewing experience. Amazon's Thursday night football production is another reason why fans aren't tuning in. Upon further review, you're probably correct. The the issue, though, with instant replay and the officials, John, you want to get the play called correctly. Now, I don't like all the all the breakups of the game. There's a rhythm and flow and they have to keep stopping it for a, a review from upstairs or if somebody's going to challenge that wears you out a little bit. It does extend the game some. But at the end of the day, you do want the calls to be done correctly. Now, that being said, there were some brutal missed calls in the Dolphin game. There were bad calls in the Indianapolis Colts game and with Cleveland. The officials, 
The game is so fast, it's so tough to officiate. That's why we have all these problems right now. But upon further review, you do want to get the call right, don't you? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the primary is to get the call right. But, you know, it's not just bad officiating in the NFL. We're seeing the umpire calls in Major League Baseball have been terrible. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, give me the robo-ump. I mean, is there a robo-referee that we can implement for the NFL other than uh, replay? I watched the opening night of NBA games last night. Couldn't believe the stoppages in play. Review this, review that. And then the referee, he's got a better radio voice than I do now. He goes on, he, he tells the PA announcer what the call is, et cetera. It's just, it's just, it's way too much. I don't know how you get the game back, but you do want to have the calls done correctly. Yeah, get it right. Except in the case of Angel Hernandez and his moving home plate yeah, balls and guy, strikes. He's in a different atmosphere. Hey, stratosphere. listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Thursday broadcast. A reminder, if you like what we're doing, we want you to share. Hey, I know you got all types of friends that you text, and I want you to email them, and I want you to call them, and I want you to tell them what we're doing. Our regular Thursday podcast, our Monday bonus podcast, they both start at 3 p.m. We got some special plans we're working on that we're going to announce sometime in the next month. And check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I write on it every day of the week. Are you ready for a great sports weekend? I'm ready. And you're ready for the NHL season, too. I'm ready for World Series Game 1. And then we got a big, unique weekend of NFL games, too. We will see you back here, Monday Bonus Podcast, brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations in San Diego to serve you. Build it, fix it, regardless of the project or the time of year. You will enjoy it, courtesy of Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.